Hey, it's Mike Morgan. Welcome to the Sales Champions Academy podcast. I've spent the last 27 years in sales and sales leadership, and in that time I've worked with and interacted with some of the best sales professionals in the world. I created this podcast for salespeople just like you who are looking to achieve and sustain personal sales excellence to become what I call a sales champion. I'm so excited to be joined on this episode by Amy Quick. Amy and I are gonna talk about her journey from customer service to enterprise sales, back into the world of full cycle small business sales and all the lessons she's learned on that journey. We're gonna talk about the power of being you and how building your brand is so important as a current sales professional. We're gonna talk about two steps that you can follow to get better results right now. And we're also gonna talk about the importance of asking for help. I'm so glad you joined us on the episode. Sit back, relax, get ready to learn. Make sure you got a pen and a piece of paper to take some notes on. Amy's gonna drop some real wisdom here. And at the end of this podcast, my promise to you is there'll be at least one thing you can start implementing right away to get better at your job. If you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you're sure to get every new episode. And I'll be talking to you again soon. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Sales Champions Academy podcast. I am super excited to have as a guest today, Amy Quick. Amy and I have gotten to know each other uh, over the last probably half a year, three quarters of a year via LinkedIn. I was um, fortunate enough to find her on LinkedIn. I really engaged with her content, her passion for life and sales, and I'm just super excited to have you on the uh, show today. So welcome, Amy. Thanks. It's good to be here. So I like to start off the, uh, the the episodes having you tell us a little about your journey into sales, what brought you here, and what's kept you here. Right. So um, I actually started off in my professional career right out of high school, no uh, no degree, didn't go to college, and I started off in customer service. Um, and I did that for a while, and it kind of was the natural progression into sales. Um, I feel like uh, when you've when you've gone through the ringer of customer service where you're just literally putting out fires constantly, um, when you roll into a sales role, it works really harmoniously. So um, I'm very, I'm very blessed that I had the opportunity to kind of learn patience and persistence and calm in the face of like a lot of chaos um, very (laughs) early in my career. And so that's kind of how I got started in sales. It was was a recommendation uh, that I pursue a sales role and I jumped on it and uh, never looked back. Really, it was kind of one of those situations where once the bug bit me, I was in. That's exciting. A lot of us get there accidentally. I know I did. And and pretty much everybody that I talked to, they weren't, you know, up in the middle of the night as a as a middle schooler or high schooler going, man, I can't wait till I'm able to get into my professional sales career. Uh, it just doesn't seem right. to be a common uh, a common thing. Hey, let me ask you, what is your um, definition of sales? How would you define it? I, you know, I think sales is uh, okay. So I think there's two two levels of this. One, I think sales, in a sense, is a very very deep level of customer service. I mean, it is really in its sense, um, you're providing like kind of like a pre-service where you're you're educating them on how you could benefit their their company, their organization and solve some problems for them. Then you actually get to solve the problem. And then there's also the post sales, right? So there's the follow up. There's the making sure that you're delivering on all your promises and um, and that you're following through on the commitments that you made as a sales rep and um, just as an organization or vendor for a customer. So um, I think sales is very much um, 
like a, you know, a level of customer service. It's just kind of like an up level. Um, I also think sales is sales. <laughs> You're literally selling product solutions. Um, and I think we have to, we have to hold fast to that because I think we try to get away from, from sales as, you know, oh, it's a dirty word. Um, and it's not, I mean, the, the world would, would stop turning if people stopped selling. So I think sales by its nature could be defined as the sale of a product or service, simple, like kind of period under the subject there. So yeah, that's, that's the way I look at it. That's uh, I mean, look, it, you can't be more straightforward than that. The world revolves around sales. And we, you know, what's funny to me is a lot of times people don't realize we're all in sales, whether we want to admit it or not, we're either, you know, every, pretty much every moment of our life, we're being sold something or we're, we're selling something. And, you know, that, yeah. really, that, that that's true as a parent. It's true as an employee. It's, you know, if you're in engineering, um, you know, if you've got a big project you want to get pushed through or you're looking for promotion, your ability to sell yourself is going to be important to, uh, you know, the future outcomes that you're hoping. Absolutely. Let me ask you, in a, um, in, in a world of sales mediocrity, so, you know, if, um, if you were asking my opinion, I would say that there are far too many mediocre salespeople. Um, how have you broken out of the crowd or the cl the clutter and and you know been able to make a name for yourself? Okay, so I think there's a there's a few fundamentals there that have helped me be successful in my career. Um, one is uh, the ability to communicate and articulate clearly um, with confidence, a certain level of confidence. I think that um, inherently salespeople by nature can be either you know, either there's, they struggle with the ability to communicate cohesive and cohesive thoughts and, and, and it convey that confidence without seeming egotistical or overconfident or cocky. Um, and, and balancing that with the, you know, introverted side of, of the sales world, right? There's tons of really, really exceptional sales reps that are very introverted that aren't very verbose. Um, and so they kind of have to figure out a way to communicate effectively in those situations. So for me, I found that um, studying the art of communication was hugely beneficial. Um, speeches, for instance, I, like one of the things that I know that I do um, and owning kind of the understanding of where I need to improve and how I communicate um, is I say, um, a lot, like I can't Guilty. help it. Right. Yeah. It just it just happens in all my conversations. It's one of those things where I've learned that it's just a part of my natural speech pattern and it's just a break in my thought process. And so I've just gotten to where I'm like, you know what, I'll lean on that if I need to. If I have to say, um, I have to say, um, um, but also understanding what I do wrong in conversation. Um, one of the things that I tend to do and and I've had to really work on improving this is talking over or uh, thinking that they're done with a thought, not giving them enough time to kind of wrap it up with some some blocks of silence and uh, and, and starting to speak too soon. So I think as a, a sales rep, you get better by understanding where you're weak and also where you're strong. So that would be one. Um, two, I'm, I think that to be a successful sales rep in this world, you have to be able to ask the hard questions on, on every call if necessary. I mean, you should know the timeline of a project, you know, what's motivating them to buy, what problems are they having? What's their budget? Uh, who, who needs to be involved in this process? You know, who's okay. Um, and it, it grows in complexity from, you know, an SMB sale where like, let's say I'm selling one firewall, 
you know, and that's a pretty simple sale, but there's still going to be someone managing all of those aspects of that sale, right? They're going to be, they're going to be given a budget, whether it's minimal, you know, they're going to have to sign a check. You know, someone's got that authority to buy. There's a problem or something that they're trying to solve, or, you know, something's ongoing that's caused them to purchase a new firewall for it. For example, maybe there's a security breach. So even at the the smallest end of the sales spectrum and these small sales, um, there's always going to be that process where you're going to need to understand where you're at at any given point in time. And it just grows in complexity into the enterprise space. And that's one thing where I'm, I'm glad that I had the enterprise experience almost first. Like I got thrown into the fire at the very beginning at the enterprise level. Now I'm at SMB and it's like, oh man, this is, this is great. <laughs> I get to ask all the tough questions and people don't bat an eye, you know? And I think that's because when they understand that you're, you're uh, a people person and you have that great conversational side of sales, but you're also able to ask the hard questions, you're going to get the, you're going to get answers that you're looking for. And that's going to make you look better for your bosses internally. You're going to know where your deals are, where your money is. Um, so I think those two things. And the last thing I'll say is my ability to uh, try something new. You know, if something's not working, I'm not going to beat a dead horse. I'm going to I'm going to figure out another way around it. I'm going to try to use different tool sets. Um, I'm going to seek out training and education where I need it. And I'm going to humble myself and know, OK, I really struggle at this. I need some help. I need, you know, to get feedback because unless we're learning, we're not growing. So I think that's, that's kind of what I would say is communication, knowing how to ask the hard questions and being humble enough to admit when you need help and to, to go out and seek that help and, and to try something new if something isn't working. That's fantastic. So this is in every, uh, in every episode, um, I try to find these points. If you're a listener, push stop or pause, rewind, go back and listen to everything Amy just said because there was some real gold in there as in terms of the formula for crafting a successful sales career. So let me ask you one thing. You talked about the importance of asking the hard questions and asking questions in general. One of the things that I experience with the sellers that I coach and, and train is they ask often, they ask good questions, but assume the answers that they want. Mm. Have you ever experienced that? Do you, you know, when I say that, what, what are, what run, what thoughts run through your mind? So I completely divorce myself from the outcome. I don't care what their answer is. I think when I approach a call where it's like, Hey, we're either going to do business today or we're not. And that's no sweat off my back. I'm not going to love you any less, <laughs> you know, customer. Um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to like scream for joy and you know start, start cheering. Um, I keep it very, like, very understated and even keeled when I'm asking those questions. And they're very matter of fact and sometimes slightly humorous, right? Because I think that the humor breaks through and you get honest answers. So I don't assume anything ever. And the, the reason behind that is because when you make assumptions, depending on your tone of voice, it can come across as really conceited or egotistical. However, in my brain, right? In my brain, I'm like, kind of like, I think they're going to say this. Absolutely. They want to say this. But the, my t the tone and everything that I convey to them is very much like a, a matter of confidence in what I'm asking of them and knowing that, hey, it's okay. You could go either way. 
And I'm really okay with that. What it, ultimately it's whatever's best for you. So, um, and I know people are different in that style. Like, I mean, what, what are you, what would you say to that? Are you more of like a, like, let's assume the answer and kind of guide them or maybe give them that psychological component of like, you really want to say this, like, this yeah, is the so answer you say. Great. Uh, you know, my personal, my personality early in my sales career was to assume what I wanted to hear. Um, and which led to a lot of frustration, right? Well, you know, they didn't say no, they don't want to consider a proposal. So they must have said, yes, I took it as a yes. Right. As I've, as I've gotten older, gotten more experience in sales, had to coach other people into how to you know, uh, effectively sell things. I'm, I try to be really specific with the sellers that you need a specific answer to a specific question to know where you really stand. And if there's any ambiguity there on either side, you haven't done a good job because every answer to a question or every answer to a um, a core question, you know, when are you are you interested in doing this? When would you get started? How's the decision making made? All of those questions. There has to be a mutually agreed upon answer that you both understand or you're dealing in this space of assumption and it always ends up in frustration. Yeah, I feel like that's really why it's very important to set the stage for the call too, especially at the the discovery stage. You know, um, you want to set the understanding that there is an outcome that you're working towards toward Uh at the end of this call. Right. And it's and it's okay if it's a no. It's okay if it's a I'm not interested. Um, and I think that pe- like sales reps are so scared to lose the sale that they'll, they'll be, they'll kind of beat around the bush. And the problem there is that it conveys the opposite of what that person on the other end of the call or the, the screen wants to see, which is confidence. Confidence is you in you as a vendor that you can solve their problems. And if you're dancing around <laughs> what you want, uh, you know, on your end of it as a vendor, um, or or even how you can help them, right? That you have the solution that can help them. If you're dancing around that, then it's going to convey the wrong signals to them. It's going to convey they really. I don't really have confidence that this person can can fix my problems. Nice person yeah. to you know to chat with. It's a nice chat, but I don't feel like at the end of the day I would pay the money and that they would solve anything for me. So. I set the stage. I actually um, really like um, Benjamin D, the UK's most hated sales rep. Oh yeah, he has he has some really great um, the way he sets up the call, which is the understanding that hey, look, this is what we're doing on this call. At the end of the call, if um, if you don't feel like I uh, could solve your problems for you, are you comfortable saying no? Are you comfortable telling me no? And and vice versa. If I feel like at the end of this call. I don't think there's there that I can really help you moving forward. Are you are you comfortable with me telling you no and and understanding that moving forward? You know, there's not really going to be an opportunity to work together. And that person's always like, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, because what you're doing there is you're letting them know at the end of this call, we're going to make a decision to move forward or not. It's not there's no ambiguity. It's yes, let's continue pursuing this or no, there's it's not necessary. And I'm like, when I first watched him doing that, I was like, oh, God, finally, like, it's okay. Like, it's okay to tell them that there's an outcome that you're working towards that's mutually beneficial because I won't keep bugging you for more calls if I know that I cannot help you or you're 100% satisfied with your current vendor and you've just signed a three-year term license that, you know, it would be completely asinine of me to try to interrupt and expensive and destroy any sort of future relationship. So, you know, there's, there's just, there's a lot of, um, 
street smarts, I think that that come into play with sales. And that's one of those things is like, let's set the tone from the very beginning. This is the expectation on this, you know, at the end of this call, we're going to decide yes or no. And then we'll set some next steps. They, so. Look, you're, um, you're, this is kind of a, a sales masterclass here. Again, stop this, go back, rewind, listen to what we just, what, what Amy was just talking about. So there, there are several things you said. Number one, I'm a huge proponent of an agenda. When you go into a meeting, you and the person you're speaking with or the group you're talking to should know exactly what your anticipated and intended outcome is. And you should give them permission to say, no, that's not what we expect to happen and adjust on the fly. So I always like to start a meeting with, look, here's what I'm hoping to accomplish today. At the end of the day's meeting, I'm looking for this to happen. Does that work for you? And if it doesn't, let's adjust the agenda so we both have the same expectation. And then we're walking step by step together, right? The other yeah. thing that you said is with the, the technique that you mentioned about giving the person permission to say no at the end of the call. All that does is de-stress the call. You know, there's nothing more. Uh, there are a lot of people who are buyers that honestly don't. They're, they're just such kind, generous people. They don't like telling someone no. But if you give them permission to do that, it makes it easier on them. And at the end of the day, mm -hmm. you just want an honest, you want an on, honest answer. Right. I mean, it's you, you just want them to be open and honest as you're being. There's yeah, a, it's um, true. <laughs> if, if you're not familiar with the uh, Sandler uh, sales you know, methodology. Um, David Sandler, you know, wrote a, a sales training, um, uh, I don't know, book and, and technique or tactic a long time ago. And one of his big pieces is going for the no. You know, it's like mm -hmm. try to try to get to a no. And if you can't get to a no, you've got a, a higher probability of a yes. So it's kind of the same version of what you're talking about. Um, yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, and, and again, you divorce yourself from the outcome. You know, and then it's okay if you get a no. And if you get a yes, great. Um, you know, it's funny about the whole uh, people are like kind and they don't like to say no. I mean, that's so true. And the reason I understand it so well is because I'm that person. I'm like codependent as hell. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, I want to take care of everyone and make everyone happy. And I really wish I could buy all your products. Um, and I found, I actually figured that out a lot more about myself when I was in the telemagic because I was like, like it was my VP and then it was me. And I was like filtering all the vendors and everything that were trying to sell him sales products and tools. And they found me on LinkedIn. Right. And then they were like blowing me up. And it was so funny because I would like get pitched all the time. And I was like, Oh, it sounds really good. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. I'd love to try your product. Um, but I figured out really quickly that, um, what one, I learned a lot about it from this situation because I would end up like coaching a lot of them. Like, I'd be like, Hey, if you had just done, done this or said this, um, then, you know, things might've been different. But, um, the one thing I really learned was that it's, it's, it's okay to say no, but it is like, there's a lot of people like me out there that really have compassion and can be sort of codependent where they find it hard to say no. And it actually makes them really uncomfortable. Like I get really uncomfortable because yeah. I'm like, Oh gosh, I really, so like, okay. Like look at my nails right now. You see them like how gross <laughs> they are. Okay. Well, I've, my nails are falling off. Right. And so, but I can't type with these stupid nails. So I'm going to go to the nail salon and have them take my nails off, but I've been putting it off because I know when I go there, they're going to try to upsell me on just a shorter version of my nail or a oh, different yeah. type of nail. And I'm going to be like, 
oh gosh, I see the value in that. Like it's hard to say no. Um, so I think understanding the psychology behind how people think and rationalize when they're in their decision-making process, because sales is so emotional. It gives you a perspective that when you are on the other line with someone that is coolly kind of confident and also human at the same time, they're very compassionate and, and engaging. Um, if you put them in a situation where it's like, hey, you know what? No sweat off my back. Like if this isn't for you, I totally understand. Like you were not going to hurt my feelings. That completely diffuses the situation and takes the pressure off of those people that are highly emotional like me. Um, and knowing that like at the end of it, they can say no. Yeah. Um, so I, I just learned from my own, my own emotional insecurity, I guess you could Here's say. Here's a good uh, a good technique um, as a salesperson you can use. Um, it's called, and this is again from Sandler. Sandler calls it negative reverse selling. So um, it's where you take something off the table for the person that you're trying to sell something to. And what's going to happen is every time this is a fail that guaranteed to work exactly like it's supposed to every single time. You know, Amy, I get the feeling that one of two things is happening here. Either you're not comfortable telling me no, and 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 that's okay. I get that a lot. Um, you know, it's probably something that you just aren't ready to move forward with, or maybe I've completely missed in one of the things that's important to you. I've failed to address it, but I'm getting a feeling like um, I think maybe I should just take this offer off the table, and maybe we can revisit that at another time. When I say that, how does that feel to you? And at that point, the person's either going to say, Mike, you know, I really appreciate you doing that. Yeah, I'm not ready to move forward. You know, they're going to tell you the truth. Or they're going to say, no, 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 wait a second. Um, it's not you. It's I got a new boss last week. You and I haven't had a chance to talk about that. And I need to make sure that she's on board before I move forward. You know, you start to get the real truth in the, in the situation. So, yeah, I, I completely agree. And the, the one thing I can say with that is it, it works really well, um, but it can also backfire if you're if you don't have the emotion behind it right like what yeah. you just said was very like your tone of voice everything about it was very warm and it made made me feel like you were truly looking out for me um but some people can take that and just by the inflections and the tone of their voice they can make it seem really cocky and like you know basically like buzz off. You don't want this, you know, yeah. like I'm getting the yeah. feeling that like, you're not really into this, you know what I mean? And, um, and I think that, you know, that goes to the, the breakup email, you yeah. know, that like, that's a big thing. Right. And there's a lot of buzz around it. Like let's send the breakup email. I've never, ever sent a breakup email ever. Um, because I feel like when you say what you just said, you convey a certain level of humanity in an email. It's just cold. And yeah. I mean, it were, it does work, but sometimes it backfires later down the process because they feel like they've gotten kind of like maybe even suckered into it. Like, oh, you know, it's like the truth or dare. Like, you know, most people choose truth because they know if they choose dare, they're going to end up doing it. And they're going to feel like, oh, why did I do that afterwards? Um, I feel like it's the same thing, the same psychology behind it. So I think it's all in, in, in tone and just how you convey yourself. So I think like that same thing could be applied to an email quite thoroughly. Yep. But I think you just have to make sure you use language that is very much um, endearing and I'm, Hey, I'm nurturing and supporting you. This isn't like a, you know, a, if you don't want this to take it or leave it, you know? It's and so, I think so important. To, yeah. And I think, I think salespeople really need to uh, learn that sales is not just, 
I don't know, pounding phones and reading a call script um, or sending good copyright. It's about the emotional component of it as well. I mean, that's such a huge part in what we do. So Yeah, and you cannot infer emotion or intent in a text-based piece of communication. It's just impossible. Unless you and use emojis. Enough. Right, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or memes. Um, <laughs> let me ask you this. Um, how important do you think it is to have to to have and be developing your own brand today, separate from your company? And if you think it's important, how would you coach someone to kind of go about just establishing their own personal brand? Yeah, so this is a big, big thing for me because actually my um, on the LinkedIn Sales Success Summit, um, I'm going to be doing my, my whole thing is on the power of being you. And that is literally about like this, the story of kind of how I've developed my personal brand, how it helped me in my job. But also like who I like all these people I've been working with on doing the same thing, like helping people get out of their shells and, and understanding like why it's important um, and encouraging them on that process. So um, for me, um, personal brand was huge and I didn't even realize what I was doing. I kind of stumbled into it on accident. Um, I just um, felt like I needed more visibility and I knew I wasn't going to get that by just promoting company jargon. Yeah. And marketing, you know, I mean, I would share company webinars and stuff like that. And it got nothing like two likes. And they were from people that worked with me. They were both, <laughs> exactly. you know, the employees like, so I, I started thinking like, okay, like I'm kind of a spicy individual, like at work, I'm like cracking jokes and mom jokes and I'm always pushing the limits. And, you know, I was like, you know, maybe if I take kind of that side of my personality and I can grow my my, my, and I didn't know it was my brand back then, but I can just kind of use that to get a little bit more attention. Cause that's essentially what a personal brand development is. It is about the ability to draw attention to you as an individual. And by default, any organization you're attached to is going to benefit from that. Right, um, right. And so I found that the more I focused on me as an individual, um, the, the better I did, like I got, I was getting more exposure, more engagement, um, and then even the work stuff I would share there, I understood that it probably wouldn't get that much engagement, but I still made sure that I would roll in, you know, a couple work related things a week or every other week or something like that. So um, my, my employers were content that I wasn't just out there playing around on the internet. Um, and it does have a huge impact on your credibility. Mm -hmm. So when I started growing my personal brand, as it grew, um, I noticed that if I would call someone or send an email, I was getting a callback ASAP. You right. know, I was getting responses on emails. Um, I would reach out to people on LinkedIn and I would leave voice messages um, on, you know, the LinkedIn app. And they were like, like I had like an 80% 80, 80 response rate on those. Because they, they'd wow. never heard of them before, you know, and also it was just this girl, you know, like, like leaving them a, hey, you know, no pressure, wasn't sleazy, didn't sell anything. Um, and so I noticed immediately that I was getting responses a lot faster. Wasn't necessarily changing the initial contact, like me calling them. I was still getting a lot of voicemails and things of that nature. But the initial response, it was a lot faster. And then when they finally talked to me on the phone and got to know me and my personality, um, I would always direct them to LinkedIn. Like, hey, are you on LinkedIn? 
or um, like, hey, yeah, yeah. Like you can see my stuff on LinkedIn too. Like I'm, you know, what you see is what you get. Like I'm the same person on this phone call as who I am on online. And so they kind of got to know me a little bit and that, that was it. Like the sky was the limit there. Like, because we could talk about anything, you know, and they were telling me all about the inner workings of their organizations and what they really needed. And I was able to kind of look at these big enterprise level sales and see, okay, this is what's important to this person. And if we build a business plan around this right here, we will be successful. Yeah. And yeah. so it helped there. And then since I've been with Fortinet, because I work in a, and this would go for anyone in a sales world where they're uh, maybe working as a vendor, they have partner relationships, man, it's helped there like astronomically. Because one of the things I laid on the table for my partners is like, hey, listen, if I can help you in some way with networking, or I can get a door open for you, like I'm happy to do it. And so I started off my relationships with my partners by leveraging the fact that like, hey, I, I do have a big social network. Um, and I'm happy to share it, you know, so let me know how I can help you. And that was like hugely beneficial because I didn't start out by asking those partners for what they could do for me. I was like, what can I do for you? How can I help you? Um, matter of fact, I had you made a deposit before you made a withdrawal. Yeah, exactly. Exactly like that. Um, but it's, it's just been, it, it's improved everything and, as far as like my networking opportunities and conversations that I'm having at work. I will say this though, about personal brand development. The one thing I will do is caution people that if they are working a day job where there's an expectation that during these hours, they are actively selling, calling, and they have metrics they have to hit and things of that nature. Um, don't, don't social sell on LinkedIn all day long because yeah. it, there's a freaking record of it, right? They can see that you're online and I think month one month in at Fortinet, I hadn't taken my territory yet. Um, and I was still kind of twiddling my thumbs like, OK, guys, I'm ready to sell. And so I was really active on LinkedIn for like two weeks and had a couple posts go viral. And a couple of them were Fortinet related posts like, hey, I just started here. And I mean, one of a couple of them went to like 40, 50,000 views. And wow. so but then I get a call from from Phil, my, my boss's boss's boss. Right. Oh, He's wow. like, hey. I'm getting calls from people like above me about your activity on LinkedIn. And I was like, ah, this is going to be good or bad. And uh, they basically wanted to make sure that I was invested in Fortinet, you know, and that I wasn't going to be jumping ship to kind of get, go into consulting or something like that. And now if that was like a, on my radar, then, you know, that's, if, if that was like my intention, then I wouldn't have taken the job with them, but I'm a single mom with three kids. So I was like, no, 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 no. Like I am all in here. I am here. I want to yeah. grow with this company. And, um, but I could understand where they were coming from because it is that fine line that you walk where you're building your brand and that benefits you and your, your role and by default the organization, but there's also an inherent risk there too, that it's very easy for you to jump ship. Okay. And as an employer, you know, in those situations, like or as an employee, I would say in those situations, you have to put yourself in your employer's shoes and respect the fact that you have a job to do for them. And the personal brand is not necessarily secondary, but you need to be able to do it in a way that doesn't interfere with your day job because that's what they're paying you for ultimately. Yeah. So I kind of had to restructure a little bit how I was engaging on LinkedIn um, and I'm probably engaging on there less because of it. 
Um, but it's not really affected my, you know, I'm, I'm up to over 20,000 followers now and that's still chugging along. And so not really slowed anything down. Um, but it has enabled me to kind of focus on my day job and still, you know, organize and grow my, my personal brand on the side. So that's the one thing I would say, cause I hadn't even thought about it until like Phil was like, like, yeah. could you make sure you're not posting stuff in the middle of the day when you're supposed think, to be working? Look, I think the leadership in a lot of companies today are not attuned to developing their own brand on, yeah. uh, you know, in the social space. And it's an uncomfortable uh, dynamic for them. You know, hey, Amy's, yeah. um, you know, Amy's creating her own brand. Is she going to, you know, eventually be competing with us or is she just using us to pay her bills while she, you know, goes out? It, yeah. And, and I think that it's unfortunate that that more more leaders of organizations don't understand the stronger your brand is, the better you are for them. You know? Yeah, um, I, and, I agree. And I, I've, I've, I've kind of, when I'm coaching my sellers, you know, um, about how to, the importance of developing their own brand. Um, you know, I'm comfortable in front of the camera. I'll throw a camera on. If I sound stupid, I sound stupid. It's fine. You know, I can live with it. I, I'm starting this podcast. So I'm good at originate. I mean, I'm, I'm going to originate content, but you mm -hmm. don't have to do that. I, I try to coach the sellers. You can originate content. You can curate content with comment, meaning you go out and find something that reinforces your understanding of your industry and your customers' industries and, and kind of comment about your feelings or opinions about it. Or you can simply curate content as a cliff note and just say, hey, in this article, here are the three things that you want to make sure you get out of it. And anybody can do that, you know, um, yeah. and, and it, it establishes you as a as a subject matter expert. Um, it's so true. And, and also just engagement on other people's content too, which is probably rolled into what you were talking about with. But, um, when I was first really growing my personal brand, I was all over like, engage, you know, I engaged on people's content constantly. And mm -hmm. that's the one thing that I'm like trying to, I'm trying to schedule some time to get back into because I really enjoyed that. Like I got to interact on other people's posts and I got to read a lot of content, but obviously that's harder for me to do like in the bulk of my work day. But it's hugely important because those people that you network with on LinkedIn will open doors for you. Um, yeah. And and it just I don't know. And, and it's also a community. There's a community aspect of it, too. You know, I know that if I have a question or I'm struggling with something, I can call like Dale Dupree and be like, hey, man, like, can you throw me a bone? Like, I need I need your advice on this. And I've done that. Kevin Dorsey, yep. you know, he dumped he jumped on a one hour Zoom call with me. Um, to, to just talk about five on Friday strategy, like, because we were like, uh, what do we do? Um, and so those, those types of relationships can be cultivated and in time is money. And so when people are willing to give you their time, that's, that's a huge investment, um, in, in you as a person. So, you know, um, I completely agree. And I think the one thing I'll say about Fortinet is they specifically, um, Phil told me, he was like, listen, one of the reasons why we hired you was not just for your interview, but also because of your LinkedIn, you know, network and what you were doing on there. So he made it a point to say like, Hey, we get it. We see what you're doing. We see the value of it. Um, so, you know, I, I, but I do agree that I think um, as long as people are doing it responsibly, like I think there is a, a line that you can cross where you're getting pulled off track and maybe you're too socially focused because you still have to make calls, still have to send emails, you still have to broker deals. 
And if those things aren't getting done and, but you know, you've got all these crazy engagement metrics, well then it's like, are you really seeing results? Yeah. You know, so the, the results have to be there, I guess is what I'm trying to say to, to kind of yeah. measure yeah. the success. Great point of view. So let me ask you, um, I've got two, two, uh, two things left. Um, I'm a, uh, you're talking, someone's listening and you're going to talk to um, a salesperson who's stuck. They're, you know, they're, they're not failing. They're just not succeeding at the level that they know they're capable of succeeding. What would be the one or two things you'd inspect and maybe do or start implementing to try and get unstuck? So I think the first thing you have to do in that and in, in that and this is really easy to do nowadays with the sales tools and stuff is um, you do have to understand how they're spending their time, because I find like I've had a ramp up period. So I'm like right there. So I'm like, let's pretend I'm the rep, because the last three months I've been growing and ramping a territory and learning a job. And, you know, like I've not hit quota for my quarter and that was expected that I wouldn't hit quota, but still for me, it's like, Oh, it's so frustrating. Right. And, um, but what I had to figure out was like, how do I effectively spend my time? Um, and so I found that at the beginning, because I was learning all of the, you know, the rigmaroles of just how to do business and our internal functions and whatever that I was spending a large amount of my time on admin and less of my time was being spent on strategy, you know, deal strategy, calling, you know, making calls, um, emailing, coming up with like outbound campaigns. It was more spent on the admin side. And I think that a lot of us as sales reps do get pulled in that direction because we have to update our CRMs. We have to do this. We have to do that. And hygiene is really important. Um, but at the same time, when you're spending all, when you're spending the bulk of your time on this one area that's not active selling time, you're not going to hit your numbers. You know, you're not going to make quota um, because you're not putting enough of the outbound effort in to drive all those inbound leads and to capture that business. Um, so for me, that was a big proponent of it. And once I was like, okay, I got to like the admin side is nice. Okay. I got my pipeline cleaned up. Cause I like gutted like 70 K like right up front. It was depressing. Um, <laughs> but once I did that, I was like, okay, I got to get partners on calls. I got to start calling my customers, making introductions, doing this, doing that. And the activity had to increase. So I would say the first thing to look at for a rep that's struggling is be brutally honest with yourself. Are you active enough in your selling to actually get to where you need to be because a lot of it, it's not, I wouldn't say like, I hate the term, like it's a numbers game. You know, I hate that yeah. because I've been an SDR. I have dialed 120 people in a day and literally spoke to one person who was a secretary. Okay. <laughs> so I've been there and I'm like, you know what? I call BS on that. Sometimes it's not a numbers game. Sometimes it's just a, an SOL game, you know? Um, so I would say, look at your activity. Are you actively selling enough? Uh, if you are an SDR and you're supposed to be making X number of calls today, are you surpassing that? Cause that's the minimum requirement. So really you want to be, you know, like two times in your effort, effort if you can, because that's really going to make you successful. You know, you don't want to do the minimum. You want to strive for like blowing it out of the water. Um, so that's number one. Number two, I would say, um, is be brutally honest about 
if you know, like if you're getting a lot of objections um, or if you kind of know already where you feel like you're weak, be brutally honest with yourself and seek help. Talk to your manager about it. So I had a call with my boss just the other day and I was talking to him about all this awesome stuff. Oh, I got this deal and I got this and this is percolating and yay me. But then at the end I was like, but you know what boss? Like, I really feel like I'm struggling in this area. Yeah. Like you have to be willing to tell your boss and yourself where you're struggling because you won't fix it if you're not honest about it. And so I was struggling specifically with um, like Salesforce hygiene, right? With keeping up with like all these ops and all these reports they were running, like, oh, there's not enough activity or there's this and that. And it, it's at the end of the day, it's, it's again, it's a time thing, but I was struggling with that. And I admitted it to him. I was like, this is where I feel like I'm weak. And his advice to me was, Basically, just you're doing great. Like, keep going, and that gave me the extra push I needed to know. Okay, all right, just keep keep chugging along because sometimes that mental like oh, I don't feel like I'm doing good enough can bog you down and can lower your energy. And when you're on calls with customers or on calls with partners or when you could send those five extra emails, you don't because you're kind of depressed. And I feel like give yourself some credit and some grace to admit I'm struggling tell someone, ask for the help you need. And you'd be surprised at how much sometimes your managers will come back and be like, Hey, you're doing fine. Like really, you know, and they don't always have to coach and train you. Sometimes they just need to be there to say, you're good. You're good. You got this. And, and you can go out and you can do your job. So I would say that those are the two things. And I'm right there with them, you know, because I'm going through it right now. I'm learning. That's right. Yeah. Last question. (laughs) Um, what is the one thing that a sales champion does that a sales amateur doesn't do on a regular basis? Um, okay. So my, from my perspective, the people that are really, really, really good in sales have an inherent ability to deeply understand the deal, every aspect of it who their customer is, you know, what do they like? What do they not like? What is their personality like? Are they a chatty Cathy? Are they more kind of a reserved, like, you know, calm and like, you gotta, you gotta really rein it in when you're talking to them type of personality. Um, What's the budget like? I mean, understanding all of those details, right? Because in a, in the sake of a, a for conversation's sake, if you, the more you know about that deal, the more you focus on the strategy of where you're going, the more confident you're going to be. And the sales reps that I've been insanely like impressed with have that level of confidence that you just cannot deny. And customers see it too, and they feel it. And they're like, I have every, uh, I have, I know that I'm going to be taken care of by this person right at the end of the day. Um, and I'll give you a prime example of that. And, and I'm not like tooting my own horn. This is just a conversation I had yesterday, which was like very affirming for me. And I feel like I'm like, okay, I get it. Like, I feel like I'm, I'm leveling up maybe a little bit. So I had this guy, he's a technical guy on the, on the phone. Um, and he told me, he was like, out of nowhere, he was like, listen, I've been at this a long time. And I'm going to tell you that like as far as account managers go, like you're the best account manager I've ever spoken wow. with. And I was like, 
oh, okay. And it's super awkward when you get, when you get that kind of a compliment, it's awkward, especially for me. Like, I'm like, oh, I don't know how to handle this. Let's get back on topic. Um, but I was like, okay. And I just kind of let him go. And he was like, you know, you understand the business aspect of what's going on here. Like how we're driving the bottom line. Like you, you're talking about like per user customer cost. And like, no one ever talks about that. Like how much is this, this, this IT project going to cost per user that we're trying to like allocate a spend for. And I'm like, you know, and I hadn't really thought about it because I was just like trying to figure out the deal. I was trying to understand the complexity and all the different layers of what I was working against as, as a vendor. And so for him to say something like that, it was, it took me off guard because I was just doing my job. And I was like, God, like how crappy are people at this? Because it, it literally is like, here's a puzzle here, are all these pieces thrown in front of you and you've got to figure out a way to put it all together. And some of those puzzle pieces are unknowns that you don't, you're not privy to. Right. So I don't know what their what their customers paying them for their IT service. I would sure be nice if I could know that. But I'm not I know they're not going to give me that specifically, but I can ask them for a range, you know, yep. like give me a range that I need that I should be working within. Like this is the high end of the scale and this is the low end of the scale. Where do I need to be, you know, from your standpoint for us for us to to give you what you need because they need the product, right? Their customers chomping at the bit wanting a service. We need to make this happen. We just have to make the numbers work. And so the minute you start understanding what where the deal is coming from and you you understand the person behind it, like what this guy's frustrations are with his company and what they're going through right now and what his operational managers, you know, what what's going on with her, like why she's frustrated right now. You can start to have those conversations and put together that deal. And you are that steady Eddie, right? That person, that glue that's holding everything together for them, keeping everything chugging along, everything organized, and you will blow deals out of the water just simply because you're not all over the freaking planet. Uh, and it, I don't know, I think confidence, that's the number one thing. And just knowing that like, it's never going to be as simple as here's a product, buy it. Never, ever always more to it than that. And the minute you wrap your head around that as a sales rep and start to figure out you've got to have all these boxes checked, you'll be fine. You'll do phenomenal things. Amy Quick, that was a fantastic answer. And this has been a fantastic episode. I really uh, appreciate the time that you've invested. Um, the information you know that, that you've dropped in here, if I were a sales rep uh, working day to day, trying to sell to make a living, I'd come back to this podcast over and over again phenomenal information. Really appreciate you being a guest on the show and uh, keep doing what you're doing. Thanks for having me. Now I got to go finish this quarter out. <laughs> That's right. Have a good one. Thanks so much for joining Amy and I today. I'm a believer that we all have the potential to become a sales champion. And if you aren't there yet, that's okay. My hope is the stories and advice you hear on this podcast will help you get there. Everyone, and I mean everyone in sales, has the ability to become a sales champion. If you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Keep checking back. Every episode will be packed with actionable information from sales professionals and sales leaders that you can use to get better at your job as soon as you get the information. I'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Take care. Peace.